Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Kayla McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. So before I get into my text and dissect what it is that I'm preaching to you about today on this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, if you will, I think it's imperative that I share the basic gospel with you. Come on, somebody. That I share the basic gospel, that I share the, the simple gospel with you. And I want to be very clear. Today is the day that we celebrate a risen Savior. Come on, somebody. Y'all awake this morning. Come on, today is the day that we celebrate Jesus. Today is about Jesus. Today is about the resurrection. Today, we celebrate an empty tomb. This weekend isn't about bunnies and candy, although I like both. We have candy later. Like I said, don't judge me if I push over a kid today and take something out of his basket. <laughs> I, I, the first time guess I talk crazy sometimes, forgive me, but... But look, God created bunnies, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with bunnies. Come on, somebody. Y'all good with bunnies too? All right. I'm cool with bunnies. Bunnies are cute, but can I be honest with you? There wasn't nothing cute about what happened 2,000 plus years ago on this day. So God created bunnies. I'm also convinced that God created chocolate. Come on, somebody. He created candy. I imagine at heaven's gates that Peter's got a chocolate fountain. Right there at Heaven's Gate. And it's got some of that marshmallow stuff that my wife handed me this week that had this like egg with this ooey gooey marshmallow stuff and caramel and pretzels. All that's going to be there. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm convinced of that. Y'all pray for me. Pray for your pastor. But, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I said it a second ago. Th- there wasn't nothing cute about what happened on this day 2,000 plus years ago. Can I get a little old-fashioned? Oh, come on, somebody. I got one person that's going to help me preach today. Hey, if you're a first-time guest today, just know I'm one of them holler-back preachers. Come on. If something excites you, just holler back at me, throw a shoe, run a lap, do whatever you want to do. I'm one of them holler-back preachers. Come on. But can I get a little old-school on you this morning? Come on. Can can I get back to the basics this morning? Can can I get a little old-fashioned this morning? Can I preach to you for just a second about the simple gospel? Because this ain't about no bunnies, baby. it's about the lamb. Come on, somebody. This ain't about candies, although it's the sweetest thing that ever could have happened to you and ever could have happened to me. This weekend isn't about any of those things. This weekend is about a risen Savior. This weekend is about a risen King. This is about the Son of the living God who wrapped himself in flesh and came to this earth that he actually had created. Come on. And he came to pay your debt and he came to pay my debt. This weekend is about the gospel. Y'all ain't saying no thing this morning. But this weekend is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. This weekend is about the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the very world. This weekend is about a slayed lamb, but he rose up a lion of Judah. Come on, somebody. This is about Calvary Hill. This is about the cross. This is about the blood. Oh, don't get me talking about the blood on Easter Sunday. Come on. 
What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. I'm talking about the blood this morning. Come on. I got one brother that can get excited about the blood, but y'all don't know what the blood did for me if you ain't excited. Maybe you don't know what the blood did for him if you can't get excited. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away your sins. I came to tell somebody it's nothing but the blood that's strong enough to change your story. It's nothing but the blood that can cover your sin. It's no other blood that can heal you. There's no other blood that can restore you. There's no other blood that can protect you. I wonder, do I got any blood people in the house? Come on. I wonder, are there any blood-bought Christians in the house today? Look over at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, if you didn't know, if it wasn't for the blood, I might still be in the crack house. Come on, somebody. If it wasn't for the blood, I might still be in a smack house. Come on, if it wasn't for the blood, I might still be on a street corner. If it wasn't for the blood, I still might be a whoremonger. Yeah, you came into a real church today. Come on, if it wasn't for the blood, I'd still be selling dope. If it wasn't for the blood, I'd still be acting crazy, trying to fight everybody and they mama. Come on, somebody. But it's the blood of Jesus that sets you free and can make you new. Ain't nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. I said, don't get me talking about the blood on Easter. I ain't wearing red. I'm wearing pink, but I'm still dripping in the blood. Come on, somebody. Shoo. Yeah, y'all walked in one of them real churches today. Some of y'all didn't know what you got yourself into. Welcome to Canvas Shelbyville. Come on, come on. If it wasn't for the blood, you'd still be cheating on your taxes. Come on, somebody. If it wasn't for the blood, you'd still be selfish and wouldn't know how to love nobody. Come on. If it wasn't for the blood, you wouldn't know how to walk in forgiveness because you hadn't received forgiveness yourself. Come on. I'm thankful for the blood. Anybody else thankful for the blood? If you're thankful for the blood, just lose your mind for about 10 seconds and give God a praise because your sin and your stuff has been paid for. I got some, I feel, all right, I got some blood people in the house. Come on. Come on. The blood is strong enough to change your DNA. The blood is strong enough to change you from an addict into somebody who's been set free. Come on. The blood, I, I just, I think I'm going to stay there. The, the, the blood will change everything about you. The blood can heal you. The blood will protect you. Come on, we need to start pleading the blood of Jesus once again in this church. We need to start ble pleading the blood of Jesus over your home. Plead the blood of Jesus over your children. Come on, somebody. We're not going to lose our kids in America because there's going to be a church that's going to start pleading the blood. There's going to be a church that starts anointing their kids' heads with oil as they go into the public school system. Come on, we ain't losing. We're not going to lose. Come on, let me teach you a little something though. Some of you in the, might, might be asking in the room, some of you might be asking in the room, what in the world, why does the gospel have to be 
so graphic? Why does it have to be so bloody? Why does it have to be so messy? Why does it have to be so nasty? Why does it have to be so crazy? And I'll tell you why, honey, because mankind's story is crazy. Come on. Mankind's story is nasty. Mankind's story is full of all kind of junk and evil and it's messy. Come on. Mankind's story is bloody. All you got to do is turn on the television and look at Ukraine and look at the depravity of mankind that's willing to just go go kill people and kill innocent babies and shed blood come on that's why the gospel story has had to be like it has had to be because people are messed up it took a bloody story to heal a bloody people it's because mankind's story is crazy it's messy it's nasty so to fix mankind's story it was going to take god who wouldn't sit in some far off far off realm looking down on his creation saying, I, I, I can't help them. Come on. It was going to take a God who wouldn't sit off in some far off realm and do nothing with his creation, but it took a God who would come and wrap himself in flesh and take care of business himself. Y'all ain't saying nothing. See, I'm glad that I serve a God who didn't just sit up in heaven after he had created his people and then see us in all of our junk and in all of our mess and then just leave us to all of our junk and all of our mess. But we serve a God who said, if they ain't going to fix it, I'm going to go down there and fix it. Come on. I like a leader that I can follow. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing still. But I, I like a leader who I can follow. Jesus Christ himself set the perfect example, and he said, if they're going to be jacked up and messed up and can't fix it, then I'm going to go fix it myself. I'm going to wrap myself in flesh and blood, and I am going to go save them. That's the gospel story. That's the gospel that we preach that the God who created heaven and who created the earth and created me and created you, he said, I'm going to go fix it. I'm glad we serve a God who didn't sit up in heaven and say, man, they sure are jacked up. I don't know nothing to do with them. They can't figure it out, so I'm not going to figure it out for them. No, 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 my friend, that is not the God that we serve. That is not the God that I'm preaching to you this morning. We are talking about a God who came and put the broken things back together. I'm talking about a God who got down in the dirt with us, literally. Do you understand that the Bible teaches that we are dirt and we were made from the dust and to the dust that we shall return. So Jesus, oh, Jesus literally got down in the dirt with you when he put on flesh and blood and came down into this mess that we call the earth so he could straighten some things out and fix it. Watch this. Let me teach you a little bit. Because I know some of you in the room, you're thinking, what in the world? Why, why, why would it take the blood? Come on. Why, why did blood have to be shed? Let me help you a little bit this morning. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they had one rule and one instruction. Do not eat of that tree over there, for when you do, you shall surely die. They do not obey God, and now sin has crept into the earth. Now the Bible even teaches that the earth is subjected to futility. That's why we have tornadoes killing innocent babies and innocent people, and the wind don't know how much to blow, and the oceans don't know where to stop at certain times. See, the earth was subjected to futility just like mankind was subjected to futility. So this happens in the garden, and mankind sins. What, is, what does mankind do? We go grab some fig leaves and try to cover up 
up our sin. Ain't that how we usually try to do things? Come on, somebody. And they go try to get some fig leaves and cover themselves up. But God says, no, no, now that the earth has been subjected to futility, y'all with me? I'm teaching a little bit this morning. But now that the earth has been subjected to futility, those fig leaves ain't going to do it. It's, it's not paradise anymore. It's fixing to get cold. It's fixing to get hot. The animals are fixing to start acting crazy because everything has been subjected to sin. Y'all with me this morning? And so God says the fig leaves aren't going to have to do it. So I have got to fix this myself. And so God actually slays some of his animals. Y'all remember in Genesis, he said he made it. He said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. When he had created all the animals, God saw and knew that it was good. And now God, because sin is in the earth, has to kill beasts to create clothes for Adam and Eve that would be good enough to cover them up. What happened when you kill the beasts? Blood was shed. So now God, when talking to Moses, he says, you need to set up the sacrificial system, which will remind mankind that every time they sin, blood was shed. It was a reminder that when sin comes, death comes. Oh, that's some good teaching. Y'all rapping what? See, see, a lot of people read the Old Testament and the Bible. They're like, man, that sounds kind of cultish, sounds kind of crazy. They're having to slay animals and do this and there's blood everywhere and it's a bloody book and it's a bloody mess. But, but can I tell you, mankind's story is a bloody mess. It, it, it was trouble. So that's why the blood had to be shed. And God seen that the blood of bulls and goats, as Hebrews says, the blood of bulls and goats would never be strong enough to clear mankind's consciousness of sin. When you think about sin all the time, you're probably going to get into some. Oh, y'all ain't saying that. You can't be sin conscious. You better be cross conscious. Come on. You better be death, burial, and resurrection conscious. You better be Jesus conscious to understand that Christ paid a high enough price and he's given you the Holy Spirit when you say yes to him that you can overcome sin. There's no excuse for sin because you got the power to overcome it. And then when you don't and you do make a mistake, we serve a God who's so good and so gracious that he, he speaks scandalous grace but also hard truth. He'll speak the truth to you, but then he will show you scandalous grace. He'll look at the Pharisees in the eye and say, Woe to you Pharisees, you scribes and teachers and religious leaders. You swallow a gnat and spit out a camel. He calls them whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bone. But then a lady caught in adultery, he picks her up and says, You without sin cast the first stone. That is the God that we serve. He is full of hard truth, but he is also full of scandalous grace scandalous grace that it's hard for us to even understand and wrap our mind around we don't even know how to give that to one another let somebody do something to you oh i ain't messing with them no more got nothing for them hurt my feelings boo-hoo it's called forgiveness god gave it to you give it to them i got a bunch of enemies right now can i tell you right now they're all forgiven they're, they're all forgiven Look, I don't got time. I don't know why the Holy Ghost got me here, but I'm here because somebody going to get set free today. Look, we don't got time to hold on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and not forgiving folks. Look, freely you have received, so freely give. God is good. Amen. All right. Somebody got free on that. Let me get back to this. 
They covered it up with the fig leaves. They made animal clothes. So, so God sheds the blood of animals. But he knows that it's not going to be strong enough. So therefore, he comes and wraps himself in flesh and sheds his own blood. It's the blood. It's the DNA of God himself. Do you understand that the DNA of a human being comes from the father? The Bible says that no one went into Mary, but she got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. So the DNA of God himself flew, flowed through the veins of Jesus Christ. That's why that blood is so important. Come on. So there's a quick breakdown of the simple gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that these things are true, the Bible teaches that you shall be saved. You might be asking, well, what does the blood have to do with the resurrection? But the Bible says the life of a thing is in the blood of a thing. So if Jesus is the firstborn among us of the resurrection and we say that we are going to follow suit, you can't get to your resurrection if you don't get to the blood. You can't get to the resurrection if you don't get to the blood. If the life of a thing is found in the blood, then your new life, the new resurrected life that Christ paid for you to have is all counting on the blood that was spilled on Calvary Hill. Which gets me to my notes. Resurrection not recognized. Resurrection not recognized. If the gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection then the two first parts are about the blood and the sacrifice. But don't miss the last part, folks, that it is about the resurrection. Because if the blood and the sacrifice paid for your sin and junk, that means the resurrection part gives you new life, just like it gave him new life. Mm. Some of y'all sleep still. Some of y'all sleep still because I said... That that means the resurrection part gives you new life just like it gave him new life. Y'all missed a real good time to shout right there. Because if Jesus got a new life, he paid for you to have a new life. Come on. You can get up out of your dead self and get up into your new self. I don't know about y'all or if you're hearing me this morning, but I said the blood is about the price being paid for your sin. So his resurrection must be the price for your resurrection. The Bible says he's the firstborn among many brethren so what happened to him is going to happen to us he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus want to know what that means everything that was in his bank account got transferred into your bank account come on now hear me out after Jesus resurrection there are four accounts in the New Testament where Jesus was not even recognized by the disciples. We just read one account with Mary Magdalene in John 20. John 21, I preached it a couple of weeks ago, talking about the grace of God where all the disciples had went back to doing what they was doing before. Oh, I ain't got time to break that one down. But they, they had went back to doing what they was doing before. And here Jesus is on the seashore and he's cooking them breakfast. Oh, that's a gracious God that we serve. He's cooking these brothers breakfast after they have went back to doing what he had told them they wasn't called to do anymore. Y'all ain't saying nothing. 
And, and he's waiting on the beach, cooking them breakfast. That's that grace that I'm talking about. And he's sitting there ready to restore Peter, who had denied him three times just a couple of days before. And they don't recognize him on the seashore. Mary Magdalene doesn't recognize him in John 20 and, and thinks that he is the gardener. And in Luke 24, there's this story called the road to Emmaus where some of his disciples have left Jerusalem and they are walking to Emmaus and Jesus starts rolling with them. Come on, somebody. Jesus starts walking with them and telling them and revealing the scriptures to them, to them. but they don't even recognize who he is. And then in Mark 16, is a second account of the road to Emmaus. Later on, we know that he did show up to them in his form and was in his old form and was recognized because they put their hands in the holes in his in his uh, in his hands and in his side. Right, doubting Thomas. Anybody remember that story? Right. He says, "I will not believe until I put my hands on him." But he doesn't show up like this. Watch this. He doesn't show up like that to the disciples when he first is resurrected. He doesn't show up to them like this. He shows up to them in forms that they don't recognize. Why? I'm glad you asked. Can I just say this too real quick? Jesus loves a seeker. He speaks in parables. He speaks in stories. Jesus even speaks in codes. And then he sees who will seek him out. And then he brings revelation to that individual. Can I tell you something real more quick this morning, church? Look, the keys to the kingdom aren't for the casual Christian. The, the, the keys to the kingdom aren't for the casual Christian. The keys to the kingdom where you can draw heaven into your situation here on earth. Hence, Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom. That's, that's not for the casual Christian. That is for the seeker. That's why Jesus speaks in parables. That's why Jesus speaks. Because he's wanting somebody to look for him. He's wanting to find somebody. Who will say, I'm running after Jesus? I, I, I want to find out, is he really real? I, is he really who he says he is? Will he really do what he said he would do? Come on. I'm, I'm crazy enough to believe that I got some believers in the house today who have seen him do some miraculous things, who have watched him do some miraculous things, who have seen him put some broken things back together. But watch this, number one here. Number one, find it. Lord have mercy, where you go? Number one here, he does this to show us that after our resurrection, after our born again experience, folks aren't supposed to recognize you anymore. Oh, come on, somebody. Let, let that soak in real quick. Because, because after you get born again, see, there's no idle word in the word. Come on, somebody. There's no story that's in there that don't have meaning, that can't speak something to you. See, God is all about revelation, but he's looking for somebody to find it and seek it out. And what Jesus is doing, he is explaining something to us. He did not, he was not recognizable to the people who had walked with him from the very beginning after his resurrection. 
Jesus doesn't ever do anything without telling us or showing us first. Amos 3, 7 says that surely the Lord does nothing in the earth without first revealing it to his prophets. Jesus is the greatest prophet of all time. And all time he gives us this glimpse of what is supposed to happen after the born again experience. And he is saying sons and daughters You are to be so transformed by the resurrection of your spirit that was once dead. Do do you understand that before you have said yes to Christ, your spirit is sitting dead within you? You have a conscience. You have a mind. You have a soul. But your spirit, which, by the way, was with God in the beginning, Because you were in the lamb and the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. But our mind has ate from the garden and ate from the tree. And now your spirit is trying to get your mind to catch up with what it already knows. Some of y'all's hair blew back. Your spirit is dead until you say yes to Christ. And then your spirit comes alive. Come on, somebody. With the price he paid Folks don't need to recognize your old self. We have to stop letting the old man try to resurrect himself and stay dead and us walk in the spirit. Well, what's that look like, pastor? The old man's got to go. Come on, somebody. Some of the old music's got to go. Oh, y'all, oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing now, huh? So some of the old music's got to go. Some of the old movies that you used to watch, they're going to have to go. Come on. Some of the old friends are going to have to go. Some of your old talking habits and talking points at the assembly line at work, they're just going to have to go. Your old hobbies are going to have to die. Some of your old relationships are going to have to die. If you want to pick up this new life and this resurrected life where folks who used to know you don't even recognize who you are today, you are going to have to die first. You're going to have to die. It's super simple. Just die. Just die. Watch this. In order for something to be resurrected, something has to die. Can't resurrect what's already living. You you, you can't resurrect what's still alive and living. Watch this. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with... I might lose my mind here in a second. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Come on, somebody. If you want this resurrection life, you're going to have to die first. You're going to have to pick up your cross and lay down your life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who, watch this, loved me before you ever loved him and laid down his life for you. If you want to live this new life, The life that Christ paid for you to have. The equation to get there is real simple. Just die. Die to yourself daily. Kill your flesh daily. 
Die to yourself daily. Kill your flesh daily. Next question is, well, pastor, how do I do that? You're simple. You starve it. It's real simple. You just, you just starve it. Come on, that'll preach. Starve out that old music that you used to listen to. Come on. Oh, God. Don't make me come down there. Starve out that old music that you used to listen to. Starve out them old relationships that you used to have. Starve out them old friends that you used to have. Starve out Netflix if you got to. Come on, some. Starve out whatever it is that is trying to rise up in you that is the old man that is not the new man. Just starve it out and kill it. Kill it. Just starve it. Just starve that thing. It's the quickest way to kill it. Starve your old self, and feed the new you, which is the born-again spirit. Watch this. Jesus lost a bunch of followers one day. Jesus lost a bunch of followers one day when he made one simple statement. He said, drink my blood and eat my flesh. Let that sit with you for a second. Eat my flesh. Eat my flesh. And drink my blood. He lost 500 followers in one day that had been with him from the beginning. And the problem with these folks were they were just listening, but they wasn't hearing them. Oh, there's a problem in the church today. We got a lot of people that show up and listen, but they ain't hearing what Jesus is trying to tell them. Come on. The Bible says he's the bread of life. The Bible says that the bread is the word and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The problem with these folks is they were listening, but they were not hearing them. They were not hearing him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us is what the Bible says. Y'all picking up what I'm dropping this morning. He is saying to get to the resurrection, you've got to starve your old self and feed on me. You, you got to starve your old self, but then feed on him. Well, how do you feed on him? You get your butt in the word. Come on, somebody. If in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, then your Bible is him. It is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is how you resurrect and become a new person that looks like him, which is the point of Christianity. By the way, Romans 8 says you were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The whole purpose of Christianity is for you to look like him. The whole purpose of Christianity When you do this, you won't look like yourself anymore, but you'll actually look like him, which is the purpose of Christianity. So number one, we need to know Jesus did this to show us that in our new life, after the born again experience, we should look different to the world around us. Amen. It should be a resurrection of your spirit that is unrecognized by the world because you don't look like how you used to. I want to say this real quick. You need to be unrecognized by the world around you in the sense that you are not the same person that you used to be according to your old self. But you do need to recognize him for who he truly is. In our initial text, Mary saw him and she thought that he was just the gardener. She thought that he was just the gardener. And can I say that this morning too? We have a lot of people in the world who are still confused and not seeing him for who he truly is. They think he's just the gardener. Come on, they think he's just a prophet. 
They, they think he's just somebody who has some good teachings. They think he's somebody who just has some good philosophy. They think he's just a nice guy that might have worked in a few miracles, one or two, but he's not the son of the living God. Can I encourage you and help us this morning that he is way more than the gardener. He is way more than a philosopher. He is way more than just a good teacher. He's way more than just a good man. He is the son of the living God who came here to die for your sin and for my sin so that we can look like new creations. Who is he this morning to you? Come on, I said, who is he this morning to you? Come on, is, is he just a gardener to you? Is he just a good man with some good teachings? Come on, is he just a philosopher to you this morning? Is he just a good teacher this morning? Was he just a good rabbi that had a lot of people fooled or something this morning? Who is Jesus to you this morning is the question. The son of the living God who paid for the debt of the world. That's who he is. That's what he came to do. And he came to give you resurrection life. Number two, I'm almost done here. Why does Jesus show up after the resurrection and not want his disciples to recognize him? Why, why would Jesus, after his resurrection, show up to the disciples but not want them to recognize him? And the answer is this. It's because he wanted to teach them to begin to recognize him by what was coming out of his mouth and the sound of his voice rather than his face because he was fixing to go back to the Father. There's some revelation for you church folk that were looking for some today. He shows up like this because they're no longer going to get to see him and touch him and feel him and John lay his head on his chest at the last supper that is no longer going to take place but Jesus is now trying to teach them something church and he's trying to teach us something this morning as well that you might not physically see him all the time but if you'll recognize his voice and the things that he says and what is in that word you will be able to walk with him In John chapter 21, they could see him on the beach but didn't recognize him until they heard him say, throw the nets on the other side. And the disciples say, whoa, whoa, I've been here before. I've heard this before. I'm familiar with it. They couldn't recognize him. They couldn't see him. But yet when they heard his word and they heard his voice, they said, that's Jesus. In Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, the disciples are walking with him and listening to his words. And at the dinner table, he blesses the bread, then he breaks it. And when he blesses it, then he breaks it. They recognize immediately who he was. Oh, that's a word too. Because once you get blessed, that's when you get broke. That's when he'll break you. It's when you're blessed. That's a whole nother sermon. I can't preach that right now, but... But get ready. If he's going to bless you, get ready to be broken too. If he's going to bless you, get ready to be broken too. But they recognize him when he says this and does this. And John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene can't recognize him in the physical, 
But when she hears the master call her name, oh, come on, Jesus. When the master calls her name and he says, Mary, she recognizes immediately who he is. Oh, church, if Jesus ever calls your name, come on. If you're ever in a service and you hear Jesus call your name, come on. If you're ever in a service and you hear him say, Jasper, son, I love you. I've got something for you. Come on. If he's ever in a service and he say, it says, Mike, I've got you. I've got something for you, Michael. And he says your name, Ryan, and he says your name. If Jesus says your name. You can recognize him. Can I tell you, church, when he called you into his glorious kingdom, he called you by name. He called you by name. And guess where else your name is now when you say yes to him? In the Lamb's book of life where eternity is found. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is preparing us for something in these scriptures because until the day he returns to get his bride, you might not see him in a physical appearance in front of you, but you can hear his voice. And if you'll ever let his words penetrate your spirit, that spirit that was once dead and trespasses in sin and in mess, he can awaken that spirit and give you everlasting life. If you're thankful for a God who will call you by name and give you everlasting life, give him some praise. Watch this. He's also preparing you to accept him by what he says and not the package that he comes in. Come on, somebody. I said he is preparing you to be able to recognize his voice and what he says and not the package that he comes in. Come on, because so many of us are looking for Jesus to come in a certain way. Oh, come on. Some, some of us are looking for him to come in a package that we might recognize. We want Jesus to speak to us in ways that are familiar. Or we want Jesus to answer a prayer a certain way. Or we want the preacher to talk and say and look and do a certain thing or say a certain thing. But Jesus is saying at the resurrection, I'm doing a new thing. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to my father. And you're not going to look at me face to face anymore, but you're going to have to hear my voice. Thomas, come here, put your hands in my wounds, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Number one, his resurrection was unrecognized and so should yours. People should not even be able to see the old you. I'm not talking about perfection, y'all. Let me clarify that. I'm not saying that once you say yes to Jesus that you're going to be perfect and you're never going to make a mistake, but your lifestyle can look completely different from maybe what it used to. Amen. Number two, after his resurrection, he's telling us it's not about what you see anymore, but it's about what you can hear from me, a.k.a. it's going to be about faith from here on out. Come on. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let's get back to number one as we're closing out here. Worship team, y'all can go ahead and come on. Number one. A resurrection unrecognized. A resurrection unrecognized. Jesus wants to resurrect your spirit, which in return can resurrect your physical lifestyle to where you look just like him, to where you can love just like him, to where you can forgive 
just like him. The resurrection is twofold. I said the resurrection is twofold because the resurrection, because he was resurrected and his physical body came back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, that means that yours will too one day. I don't have time to get into all that, into the eschatology of Revelation this morning. But your physical body, when you die, when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, your physical body, if you are dead, will rise. And you'll be given a new body. I picture mine. I'm going to look like the rock and have six-pack abs and all that. I'm going to be looking good. Kelsey's going to be so pleased with me. <laughs> but, but watch this. Your spirit has to be resurrected too. Come on, your spirit has to come to life too. Two people in the Bible come to mind when I think about this resurrection unrecognized in the sense of their life is totally unrecognizable after they have had this encounter with Jesus. And number one is Paul. Paul, the writer of two thirds of the New Testament, ought to be the greatest indicator that the gospel that we believe is completely true. Paul, who was killing Christians, he was murdering folks, he was, he's the one who created the first martyr. He put Stephen to death. He put Stephen to death. He was killing Christians. He was separating families. Could you imagine if you were a believer, he would take your kids from you because you believe Jesus was the Messiah and he would take them and put them, put them in orphanages or whatever it was that they was doing back then to keep them away from you because you said you believed that Jesus was the Messiah. This is a historical man. This, is, this first of all, is a historical document that's been tested over 4,000 years. Paul was a real man and he wrote his own story. He wrote what happened to him. If that doesn't spark some belief in your heart right now, I don't know what will. He has this encounter with Jesus on the, Damas on the road to Damascus. He's about to go in prison, more Christians, and Jesus shows up on the scene and knocks him off his donkey. He knocked him on off his jack. You know what? I almost said it last week when I talked about it. Literally. He knocks him on his rear end and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. That was enough to turn Saul into Paul and write two-thirds of this New Testament that we have. They didn't even recognize him anymore. This brother changed his name for real. I mean, he changed his name. I ain't gonna be associated with Saul no more. Shoot, I should have changed my name. <laughs> Watch this. Saul gets saved. He writes two thirds of the New Testament and he is a new creation. The other person that I think of in the text, the Lord took me on a journey this week with Mary Magdalene. With Mary Magdalene. She was a rich woman from the city of Magdala. 
The name Magdala literally means town of towers or castles. And it's on a fishing community on the west side of Galilee. Homegirl has seafront property. She was, she was very wealthy. But the Bible also says that she was filled with seven demons. Seven is the number of completion. So the Bible just told us that she was completely demonized. She was completely demon possessed. Yet one encounter with Jesus one day sets her free and she follows him with everything that she has. Some historians even think she might have been Mary the prostitute who put the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. Maybe that's how she had gotten wealth. Maybe she was widowed and she had boats still from the family company and they maybe paid her to go fish on those boats. We don't know how she was wealthy. But what we do know is that she had a complete turnaround. What, what we do know is that at her resurrection, if you will, that she was a completely new person. One healed, set free, and delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. She had a resurrection and wasn't even the same woman by the end of it. Watch this. Everybody else had left Jesus, but she didn't. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. Everybody else had left Jesus, but she did. We talked about this a couple of Wednesday nights ago in, in service because it it's crazy. The women didn't leave Jesus. The men did. And some people have said that maybe it's because they wouldn't have been, been killed like a man would have been for following him. I, I don't know. What I can tell you is that the word says they didn't leave him. And Mary Magdalene was the first person that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. It was a woman and she left that tomb saying, he is risen, 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 he is risen. Come on, for any of you who got problems with women preachers, she was a woman preacher that said he's risen, he is risen, he's no longer in the tomb. He is no longer in the tomb. The blood was shed. Our sins have been forgiven and he is alive. Stand with me on your feet. Resurrection. Unrecognized. Resurrection unrecognized. She was not the same. Paul was not the same. With every head bowed, not closed in the house this morning. I want to ask you a question. Not here to call you out, embarrass you, or anything. Every head bowed, not closed. But I want to ask you a question today. Is there anybody in the room who says, I, I want to experience this resurrection life that you have been talking about today? Is there anyone who hears what the Lord is saying today and says, I want this new life that Jesus has paid for me. I, I want to get born again. I want my spirit to come alive. I want to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I want to believe and I want to confess the death, 
burial and resurrection of Christ today. Folks, it's simple. Folks, it's simple. That's, that's where salvation is found. Believing in this simple gospel that I have preached today, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that the blood was shed on Calvary for your life. That he was buried in a tomb and rose on the third day. If you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you shall be saved. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to ask you today, is there anything that I've said that's pricked your heart? You say, I, I want to get right with God today. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, just lift your hand wherever you're at. Nobody's looking. We're not calling folks out. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on. We family in here. If you want to get right with God today, you want to give your life to Jesus today, Watch this one. If you want to stop playing games with religion and really give your life to Christ, just lift your hand. There's one right there, two right there, three right there. Come on. Church, it's time to stop playing games with Christ. If you want to get right with God today and say, I want this resurrection life. I want to be with my family in heaven for forever. I want to come back to earth when God comes back to your earth and builds his kingdom. Come on. Is there anybody else in the room that says, I want to get right with God today? I want everybody can look up right now. I want us all, because everybody else in the house is saved, or at least you should be. I want us to say this prayer with these individuals who have made a commitment today and are saying, God, I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. Because you want to know what this means? With these individuals who have said this, we all family in this room. We are all family in this room. Look over at your neighbor and say, you got a new cousin. You got a new brother. You got a new sister. Some of y'all thought your family was crazy before. They're crazy now. Come on, let's say this prayer together as a family today. And then when we get done saying this prayer, I want you to lose your ever-loving mind because heaven is losing its mind right now. Father, I believe in you. And I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus, your one and only son, who lived a spotless life and is the spotless lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Today, I pledge to give you my life. I give you everything. I repent of my sins. I turn it over to you. Help me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Your resurrection power, God. I ask forgiveness of my sin. And I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That he was buried in a tomb and rose on the third day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recover podcast. 
If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.